Grab your Bible. We're going to read a verse of scripture before we have a seat. We're going to be in Psalm 119. I may just read the whole Psalm. Psalm 119. Sure good to see you. We were looking forward to doing this a year ago. Something happened. I can't remember exactly what it was. We'll just read one verse and then we'll read some more passage, the passages in a moment. Verse 126, Psalm 119, verse 126. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. It's time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Our theme for this year, our church theme, is knowing the time. We don't always stick with our theme too much, but... I think it's a good theme considering the times that we live in. Our theme last year was also about time. Don't waste your time planning anything. <laughs> we stuck to that theme pretty good too. <laughs> Knowing the time. Let's pray. Father, please bless tonight as we just begin the conference with uh, a focus on the importance of the time that we live in. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to look at some more of this passage together here in just a few moments. But, um, you know, any place you read in the Bible, any, any place you want to just dig down, there's... There's, there's stuff that pertains to us personally and pertains to where we live and how we live. But I want to look at this section of Psalm 119, beginning in verse 121 and following, um, and just think about this matter of the psalmist saying in one, verse 126, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. Just pointing out a few things in this, just in a small section of one. Uh, 119, the writer, first of all, speaks of himself as God's servant. He, he mentions that several times in this passage. And uh, verse 22, he says, Be surety for thy servant for good. He says it again in verse 124. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy. He speaks of himself as God's servant. So the author, the one who gave us this this uh, psalm saw himself as the servant of God. And um, in, because he was God's servant, he had oppressors. He had those who were oppressing him. Verse 121 says, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. In verse 122, be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. So as the servant of God, he had these oppressors who were oppressing him. As God's servant, though, we read this a moment ago in verse 121, he was committed to judgment and justice. And all this is going to 
tie together in a moment. I've done judgment and justice. Two similar words, judgment and justice. And they describe a, a right verdict, a right sentence. Uh, the position of being just or righteous or being, if you would, on the right side. He, he knew his God's servant, he was on the right side. And he was calling on God in one verse, verse 123 for his help. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation. He was looking to God as the servant of God for God's help, for God's help against the oppressors. We mentioned that in verse 21 and 122. He had these oppressor, an oppressor is one who presses on you, who puts pressure on you, who they're adversarial, they're, they're, they afflict you. Now, the one thing you want to think about tonight is what was the point or conflict of this oppression or this contention? And I would suggest to you tonight that it was God's truth. You know, if you're familiar at all with the 119th Psalm, you know that in this 176 verses, almost every single verse has something to say about God's word, about God's truth in some manner, almost every verse. Look in verse 123 of our text. He says, for the word of thy salvation. In verse 124, teach me thy statutes. In one verse 125, that I may know thy testimonies. In verse 126, they have made void thy law. In verse 127, I love thy commandments above gold. In verse 128, I esteem all thy precepts. I mean, verse after verse after verse. He's talking about God's word and God's truth and how much he loved the word of God. God's servant, our writer, God's servant was passionate for God's truth. Look with me if you would in verse 124. He says, teach me thy statutes. In verse 125, he says, give me uh, that I may know thy testimony. And, and so one, verse after verse, he talks about how he wants to know God's word. Look in verse 127. I love thy commandments. I don't just have my, my commandments. I love thy commandments above gold. Verse 128, he says, I esteem all, I esteem, I held in regard and respect. I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And then he says, and I hate every false way. Amen. So he he was passionate about truth. He, and may that be said of all of us tonight. Not just the preachers, but our families and the church members here and guests that are here. We want that to be, we're passionate about truth. The, you can't read this without believing and understanding that the, the writer who wrote this had a genuine commitment to know the Bible, to discover God's word, to defend God's truth. And truth was the matter of contention. The battle for truth and about truth is something all of us can relate to. And we as God's servants, and I'm not just talking about those that are preachers even though there are many preachers here, but as God's children, we are God's servants. And we, we wanna have a similar passion. We wanna know the truth. We don't wanna just believe it because somebody said it was so. We wanna find out it is so. Compare spiritual things with spiritual. It's God's truth that leads us. It's God's truth that feeds us. It's God's truth that sanctifies us, that sets us apart. It's God's truth that we've been commanded and called to proclaim. 
So as Christians, we have this quest to know truth. But the oppressors do not share the psalmist's interest in truth. Look what it says in 126. He said, it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. To the oppressors, God's truth was worthless. It was meaningless. They disregarded truth. The wicked are not interested or impressed by God's word or God's ways. Matter of fact, they're fine with every false way is what we read there in verse 128. I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way. The wicked are fine with every false way. They're good with abortion. They're good with sodomy. They're good with ecumenicalism. They're good with transgenderism. They're good with lying. They're with corruption, good with deception. But the servant of God hates every false way. So to me, the psalmist is describing a reality that we're all familiar with. In this room, in this room, we have this in common. We take the Bible seriously. Our allegiance is to God and His Word. But there's so many in our world who have no knowledge or appreciation of the truth. With that as an, really as an introduction, as a foundation, I want to look at that verse we began with in verse 126, where the psalmist made this great plea and confession. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. For they have made void thy law. I want us to consider that not just tonight, but in this conference. This is a great time to be servants of God. It is a great time to be standing for the truth. We see this cultural war in our communities. We see it right here in our community. We see it in our country. It's disturbing. We've been... um, having a local election here in our, in our community. And it's been amazing to me, as well as I know this community. It's been amazing to me in this Midwest, small, rural town, how deeply compromised people who profess to be Christians really are. I mean, people on social media claiming to be Christians, defending same-sex relationships, defending transgenderism. And what, what really is amazing is not just that they're so blind to defend it. And this is a picture of the world. It's the fact that they actually believe that Jesus believes that way. I mean, they really do. They believe that we're judgmental and pharisaical because we would call somebody wrong that's obviously wrong, biblically wrong, scripturally wrong, and yet they throw that back at us. I thought y'all were Christians. I I thought y'all loved everybody. I mean, they're they're so twisted. It's really bizarre. You know why? Because they've made void God's law. God's law means nothing. And I'm not just talking about a few people around here. I mean, it's, it's a growing majority, I think, in our country. They love every false way but we hate every false way. And this is not new, is it? I mean, this is not new. But, it, but from my perspective, 
and I know I'm a relatively young person, <laughs> in my perspective, those of us who've been around a while, there's always been sin, but the degree of profanity and immorality and blasphemy, really anti-Christ rhetoric, I've never seen anything to this level, personally, that I know of. But again, notice the plea of God's servant in 126. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they make void thy law. Now, I can look at this and see it as a prayer, really. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. But it's more than that. It's a confession. It's a perspective, a position of faith. I mean, this psalmist saw this, I believe saw his oppressors as being a conflict between truth seekers and truth rejectors. And here's the, here's the thing that stands out to me. He saw that as a time for God to work. I mean, a lot of people look at what's going on and just like we got to shelter in and, you know, that we have to take our flag down. But I'm telling you, he said, it's time for God to work. I mean, the world is falling apart and it's time for God to work. We see these very disturbing things. And one might think that a time of oppression and a time of disobedience and a time of blasphemy and a time of apostasy and a time of rebellion would not be necessarily an ideal time for God to work. But that's precisely what the psalmist said. Lord, it's getting uglier by the minute and it's time for you to work. And I believe it is time for God to work. I mean, the spiritual battle is real. We, don't, we know that. It's, and, and it's real against God's servants. And it's real against God's churches. But it's not really that. It's against God and the Bible and the Son of God. And that, that's where the battle really is. And we know, as I was thinking about this as we were singing, uh, the choir was singing earlier, we know this, where this conflict's going to end. It's going to be the battle of all battles. And we know who wins. Amen. We know who wins. God is always going to win in, the, in or out of a pandemic. God is still the winner. Mask or no mask. On the road to demask us. Mask or no mask. God's still a winner. And I would just like to, I just want to kind of introduce the conference tonight by saying I would like to think that these present circumstances might signal a time for God to work. Amen. It's easy to become weary in well-doing. I was reminded in my study for this uh, message of the language of Daniel referring to the coming Antichrist. He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. We're not there yet, but it's on the horizon. If God's people... For God's people, we know this, we know our Bible, we know our history. For God's people to deal with adversity and conflict is not unusual, it's normal. Matter of fact, we've been spoiled in this country. But we, at all times, but at this time, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We live for another world. 
But we're living in a world damaged by sin. But this is not our home. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Jeremiah said it in his generation, truth is fallen in the streets. I can relate to that. So there are all these troubling developments in our world. And we know it's not about the political party or persuasion. It's about good versus evil. It's about God versus Satan. And I don't like the what things are happening, but it shouldn't surprise us. I'm reminded sometimes of the, uh, the occasion in the Bible when the demoniac from Gadara was miraculously converted. And the people of the town came out and saw him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Amen. Amen. And they said, we want this for everybody in town. <laughs> no, that's not what they said. They said, Jesus, you need to go. And I'm telling you, we're living in a time more and more like that. Jesus is not welcomed in our schools. Jesus is not welcomed in our, in our courthouses. Jesus is not welcomed in the government. He's not welcomed in the public discourse. It's kind of a cancel. This is a cancel culture, which is trying to cancel Christianity and cancel truth, cancel the Bible. So with that in mind, a couple of things I'd like to, for us to think about. Number one, I'm, I'm grateful tonight to be associated in verse 121 with those interested in judgment and justice. We're interested in the truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. We're to be passionate about truth. And whether we realize it or not, I mean, we, we see it in areas about abortion and about marriage, and all, but really it's a battle about truth. And it's about God's way. But we're called to be salt and light. You know, we went over this in our church during the early days of the shutdowns and things. We, when you look in the Bible, it was in an evil time, the Roman occupation of Israel. That wasn't a pleasant time when Jesus said to his disciples, ye are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And really maybe, maybe in some ways it's like a wake-up call for us. It's time to wake up. What time is it? It's time to wake up. It's a call to be more serious, I think, about our faith and more serious about the time that we live in. It's not a time to disengage. It's a time to re-engage. We're to be propagators of the truth. We're not to fit in. I don't think we ought to be unkind. I don't think we ought to be rude, but I think we ought to be truthful and stand for the Lord. Buy the truth and sell it not. But you know what? It's time for God to work. God is still the almighty, sovereign ruler of the universe. Is he not? He is. And no matter how dark it is, God is still able to work. We need God to work. What, what's wrong with us, we can't fix. What's wrong in our communities, what's wrong in families, what's wrong in our country, we can't fix it. It's time for God to work. Only God, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, but the world doesn't need more religion. They need more truth. 
We can't control what God does and we can't control when he does it. But from the perspective of the psalmist, this time, the time of oppression, the time when he was feeling the heat of his oppressors, he said this would be a great time for God to work. You know, we've been studying uh, in our church in recent months about things related to the end of the world, particularly the time of great tribulation. In the next few moments, I just want to straighten out all the views in here about that. <laughs> but here's something I think we could all agree on. I hope. One of the things that greatly amazes me about that period of time is how God was still working. How God was working. Tremendous judgment. Increasing wrath from God. The Antichrist, the blasphemous world, opposing truth, hating truth, disregarding truth, persecuting and executing those who would come to Christ during that period of time. But the mercy of God was still calling out to sinners and reaching out to people. I believe the 144,000, those 12,000 of every tribe were witnesses for the gospel. I believe those two witnesses were preaching the gospel. I read about an angel who flew, who's flying through the earth, or through the sky, proclaiming the gospel. And another angel saying, don't take the mark. This is what it'll cost you if you take the mark. My point is, God was still working. When most of the believers are gone from the earth, God was still working. And when the wicked world that was anti-God and anti-Christ and hating the things of God, the God was still at work. If God could work then, why can't God work now? You say, well, it's waxing worse and worse. You're not the first one to say that. It's in the Bible. But you know what? We're to be, we're to be seekers of God. We're to be, it's time for the Lord to work. God works in answer to prayer. We're look, we need to look to God for victory. May that be our plea. May that be our passion. May that be our prayer. It's time for the I want to see God work this week. I want him to work in my life. I want him to work in all of our lives. I want him to work in our church. I want God to work. We need him to work. We need to ask him to work. We need to ask him to work through us. We need to trust him to work. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. For they have made void thy law. It's time for thee, for they. They've made void your law. The oppressors have made void your law. It's time for thee, Lord, to work. Let's pray together, all right? Lord, would you work in our hearts? this night and in the days ahead. We need you. Lord, we, we need the refreshment of being here. We need the fellowship with the brethren. 
We need the truth that stirs our heart in song. We need the preaching of the Word of God. We need all these things, but Lord, it's because we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your power. We need your blessing in our life, in our churches. Lord, we need your perspective. And so we pray tonight, God, in this wicked world, in this wicked time, that, Lord, we could be what you'd have us to be individually in our churches. We pray for that. Lord, we don't want to be driven and dominated by fear, by apprehension, by false narratives, by untruths. Lord, we want to be led by the Word of God. So God, would you work? Have your way, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.